This episode of Nerd Cognito is brought to you by our friends at the Red Room. You know, the Red Room, Wretched, one of the most amazing and prolific authors in the OSR in the last year, is proudly sponsoring Nerd Cognito. And we couldn't be happier to let you know that their version of Wretched Epoch, the second edition, which is now aligned with their Wretched Core RPG system, is out and about. And now it's in print at Lulu. Haha. So not only can you get it at places like the Red Room's own website, which is the Red Room, but backwards, M O O R D E R E H T dot com, but you can get it at Big Geek Emporium and a smattering of other places, not drive through. We know about that. And you can get all of their print on demand stuff at Lulu. Sylvia was showing a copy of Wretched Epoch in hardcover. Oh my goodness, is it almost as beautiful as one half of its creator? Uh, you got to check it out. So go to the Red Room's website. Again, redroom.com backwards, M-O-O-R-D-E-R-E-H-T, or the Emporium, or any of the normal places, and check out their offerings. They support us. You should support them. And make sure that you get some quality stuff on your shelf. Red Room has good stuff. The Wretched RPG is amazing. Epoch is even better. Now, on with the show. Hey, 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 my name is Ryan David. Thanks for tuning in. It is another week of Nerd Cognito. And boy, <laughs> you're just going to have to grin and bear it this week because we've got one hell of a show for you. I am joined as always by my friend Bert. Hey, Bert. Hey, Ryan. How's it going? Good, good, good. And by my friend Kyle. Kyle, what's going on? Life is killing me. Oh, it's almost unbearable, isn't it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> shit. Somebody better just stop me now. Uh, it, yeah. It's been a very busy week. I have, I believe, an incredible announcement, but you're going to have to wait for it. I can't give that announcement today but it's it's a big deal uh you guys i told you off the air it, it's it's a pretty significant announcement uh, tune in hopefully next week for to nerd cognito for for that official announcement uh, but beyond that i've just had man a wham bam non-stop week I got uh, one game night in, uh, got destroyed. We played some Eldritch Horror, which, you know, is my fave. Um, Haster destroyed us. Not, Haster didn't even destroy us. Haster's minions destroyed us. We, <laughs> we didn't even get one click towards victory before we were all wiped out. So <laughs> that was my gaming for the week. Kyle, how was your week? Life is trying to kill me. Well... <laughs> <laughs> That's all I can say. My my week was well. Oh know, man, the, the business I'm in, Independence Day in the United States. I didn't even um, think about that because you're yeah. you're you're out and about on Independence Day. Yeah, I worked. Yeah, yeah. See, I always look at so, the typical four day week in a different light. I look at it as I've got to cram five days worth of shit into four days. So it's not really a break, but I, I didn't even put into perspective what Independence Day does for your business because your business is cyclical and that, man, that's 
that's a big cycle right there for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. We take, uh, you know, you barely have enough time to do your job on a normal week in five days. So let's ramp up everything by 50%. Well, tell Mrs. Dying Breed that we appreciate her patience. (laughs) Bert, what was your week like? My week was pretty casual. I was off on the fourth. I got in one game day. We played some Pathfinder. Got a chance to do some fishing with my nephew, so it was a good week for me. Pretty relaxing. Got sick and you stranded us to let Haster destroy our minds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that unfortunately <laughs> did happen. I wound up uh, overexerting myself and wound up sick, so I uh, That's I had right. to bow out. I'm sorry that I missed infinite destruction oh, it, and instantaneous. It, it wouldn't have helped. It was. It was. It was bad. An hour in, I knew we weren't winning, but I didn't know how bad it was going to be. And then 45 minutes later, I said, holy shit, we haven't <laughs> lost like this in a long time. But it was a good time. So, um, yeah. Well, that's what Eldritch Horror is supposed to be, right? Well, you, know? you know, it's funny, though. You go online and, and there's these people. We have a winning percentage at Eldritch Horror of 92.6% bullshit <laughs> yeah I, 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 I shit you not kyle there are people ultra chore is just too easy what are we playing the same game wow <laughs> uh, they don't have the right expansions <laughs> i don't even think it's that i think they're just legitimately not playing the game correctly right uh, uh, it, it's gotta be it's gotta be uh, because if you're playing the game correctly. Now, admittedly, we do one little nuance that makes it harder, and that's that we randomly select characters. So we don't have character synergy unless we have good fortune. But to compensate okay. for that, we give ourselves one extra click on the doom clock because it's kind of a balance. But still, um, even when we have selected characters for perfect synergy, no fucking way, man. There's just there's just too much random and too much bad. Uh, uh, Haster got me. <laughs> Haster got you. The king in yellow will do that, man. Yeah, he did. He ate my and I. He didn't even eat my brain. He just outright killed me. And then uh, at the end of the game, we were set up. Kyle, the game was going to end with a loss on yes. the same turn in one of five different ways. That's how bad it was. Mm. It, it, it was great. It was a great Unspeakable time. Unspeakable horror. Yeah. Unspeakable horror. Yeah, we, we ended up running out the doom clock. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was bad. Would you like extra doom with that, sir? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stop because people that have never played Eldritch Horror have no idea what I'm talking about. They're like... Come on, rail about a sparkle troll. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, if All you, I know is now I want to. I want to buy it. Oh, it, it's spectacular, but don't. And I'm, I'm telling. <laughs> no, I'm telling you not to buy my favorite game. And and the rationale to not buy my favorite game is, you can pretty much only get the base game at this point. There are nine expansions, and all nine expansions are out of print. So, okay. All right. Uh, if you ever want to play, just make the trip. And I have all nine expansions because <laughs> I'm crazy. Better all, 
Yeah, I'll just wait till somebody reboots it and they put out a second edition. Oh, uh, I I hope I I wish I I don't see it happening though, and and honestly, it would be a fantastic translation for one of the board to video game things. I have no idea why they haven't done it. No clue. I mean, I, I think building that sort of ambience that comes with the. Uh, reading the cards and things like that, it would be difficult in a video game format. You get two great voice actors to voice those cards, though, and that's it. It's done. I'll, I'll do it. I, I can A little it. ominous music. And yeah. Some, you know, yeah. It, it would be spectacular. But we're not here to talk about Eldritch Horror. We're here to talk about Wizards of the Coast. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, actually, it's not Wizards of the Coast this time. Kyle, uh, fill, fill Bert in on what it is. Bert, have you ever wanted to have sex with a bear? Well, that's just um, going right for it, isn't it? <laughs> no, no, no. I can't say that I have. You can now. Um, that's uh, Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, there was a uh, scene released. I saw it online, and uh, I'm still a little confused about the whole thing. I think it was supposed to be a vampiric elf person yes it's an elven and, vampire and a, yeah and a wild shaped druid in the form of a bear and they have kind of an intimate moment okay so you've played the witcher think yes a witcher sex scene mm -hmm. with a vampire spawn and a grizzly bear what we're, we're going to have a fast forward moment because I got to pull the video and give it to Bert because he's not going to believe us, Kyle. He's just not going to believe us. So allow me <laughs> to find this video. It, you know, when I first saw this video, I didn't quite believe. I thought that this was just a gag, right? They were having a laugh. Right. I mean, uh -huh. it's got to be, you know, I mean. It's, it looks like something. It sounds like something a company would do for like April Fools, and, or some fan creation. Well, you know, and and they did the whole release thing, right? And uh, you know, they had the audience reactions, and of course, the audience, yeah, woo, -ho! you know, because fucking sparkle trolls. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go, Bert. Oh man, oh! <laughs> I, th I think I think the traumatized squirrel was the best part of the video. <laughs> Why? Uh, that is a wonderful question. I've said before that wizards and that crowd, like I can't blame wizards for this. This is entirely no, the game developer, right? Uh, they're they're playing to a very small audience. Uh, of course, our core is not going to be fucking the bear. But I don't think that, that the mainstream gaming core is also into fucking the bear. <laughs> I, I have uh, I have no idea what to make of that. Like, you know, I'm like, oh, there's an Easter egg where you can, you know, date this NPC or marry this NPC. Like, that's always been in gaming, but I've never seen anything remotely this weird before. Well, doesn't that make you want to rush out and pre-order Baldur's Gate? No, Kyle. I think I'm you gonna... saw it first. <laughs> I'm yeah, glad, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> I, look, it's just I. I don't even know what to say about it other than it's 
probably indicative of some sort of societal decay. But I'm really interested to see what this is going to do to the game's numbers when it's officially released. And there's it's there's early release out now, so I'm sh- there's already people that are committed. Come I was going to say there, I, there are folks in our immediate circle of friends that have pre-ordered this game. Right. It's already paid for. They already sold the game. Right. 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 Um, it's going to be interesting to see what it does to the numbers after those pre-orders, you know, are done. And um, I don't, I don't know. It's are we just grizzled? Is <laughs> oh. well, that's what I wonder. You know, that's what I wonder. Is like, has the world changed so much no. that you know I'm like completely irrelevant now? And you know, they they have a video. There's a bunch of people cheering in the audience, and I'm like, well, yeah. I there's a bunch out. of Ginny D and D players. <laughs> There's not a bunch of the core of D&D, which isn't even Nerd Cognito Nation. We love you, but we recognize that there is a large chunk of folks that say nothing, do nothing, and aren't involved in this online tumultuous sphere that just play their games. We call them Burt's. Right, <laughs> uh, there is a world of Bert's, but Bert, I don't see that selling this game to you, and you are no I- incredibly open and accepting and non-confrontational about things. Like I don't care who you fuck, but we don't need a cutscene with you fucking a bear. Well, that's the thing is, why is this even in a Baldur's Gate game to begin with? I guess Baldur's Gate is going to be uh, pushing that hard M rating. (laughs) Is BG3 bringing sexy back? I don't understand what this has to do with the game, but okay. I'm I'm just as confused as you guys are. I have no idea. Like, you know, I mean, I guess... Is it, you know, just to say, you know, oh, look in Baldur's Gate, you can do anything, even this. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know. Way back when Mikey and I did a segment in the terrible audio because the fucking jet fighter was in his living room. <laughs> right. <clears throat> but we did a section on, or a segment on sex scenes in video games. Mm hmm. Never in my wildest dreams did I think that it was going to come full circle to sex with a bear in video games. Uh, right. What are you talking about? That's not a fair assessment. you got to realize that that bear was the druid. It was, well, get fucked. It was a bear. <laughs> it was a bear. I don't even know the mechanics. What's bear penis like? How does that how does that work? Don't Google that. Right? Yeah. Don't don't go there, Ryan. Um. God. Give me a minute. If, I Google. First it. question is uh, Ryan. If your question My, first question is mechanical, there 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 might be an issue there. No, I'm just I'm saying I, above all other things, how does that? I mean, Catherine the Great was killed when her horse fell on her. Have we not learned from history? Don't fuck bears. <laughs> now, I was thinking, is this a metaphor for the bears in the gay community? Is that why that's there? Ooh. No, and, it's not. No. Yeah, no, that that can't be. No. I've been told 
by handsome gay men that I would be a fantastic bear. I don't see myself in that in that scene. Like there's there, there's no connection. Surprise! I'm a good bear. <laughs> uh, I don't. All know. I know is every time I see that clip, my face looks like just that of the squirrels, except I don't ever drop a nut. Well, well, that's <laughs> that's the thing. They knew. They know that that scene is ridiculous and over the top and out of line. And it's not because I'm a prude that it's out of line. It's just out of line with the theme because the squirrel, the squirrel is the tell that they know that that scene doesn't belong. Right. The squirrel was their attempt at a wink and a nod. And I'm sorry, you can't wink and a nod at that. (laughs) Fucking hell. Bears. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I did not see anything about this going in. You guys just sprung this on me. Like this is all news to me. Hey, I have hey, no idea. We it's like we ambushed you or something, Bert. Come on, man. No, you know no. who you're dealing with here. No, but Bert ambushed us. Oh, uh, Bert, it's my gimmick. <laughs> oh, that's right. I said news. Uh, What's <laughs> in the news? Uh, <laughs> let's see here i wasn't even ready bert 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 with gimmick infringement bert gimmick infringement i'm sorry ryan i didn't even realize <laughs> it until you started playing the news music uh, and i was like oh man, well let's sorry. let's start out with with something completely different right there's there's no bare penis Please. in this story uh, Please, there, what do you, what do you have? There Something is, completely different. We're, we're gonna go right into some food because you know that that's what makes me want to eat. Watching a bear bone a vampire elf. Um, <laughs> there is a viral f- recipe trend on TikTok. So if you are uh, a member of the Chinese Liberation Army, I mean, if you have TikTok installed on your phone, uh, you've probably seen. People talking about what's called one pan French onion soup noodles. And Ooh. it's being praised by online personalities and influencers. Oh, I hate that name, influencer. I do. I talk about it all. Kyle, someone referred to me as an influencer this week. And Are was, you an influencer? No. I hate that word. I hate that word. Yeah, I'm see, I've seen you under the influence, Ryan. Yes, but- <laughs> that, that I, I own. <laughs> anyway, uh, French onion soup noodles. Um, it's pretty much onions and seasoning and a packet of onion soup. You throw spaghetti on top of it. Okay. And then you put cubed Swiss on top of it to melt, and then you mix it through. Last time I checked, that was called ramen. Right. And that's exactly what I was thinking. That I mean, sounds, it like sounds like ramen. Yeah, it sounds like something you would make in college from the leftovers in your fridge. I, like I'm not- convinced, Bert, nobody cooks anymore. Nobody cooks. We cook. But yeah, we're I mean, weird. I cook all the time. Well, I knew that. From the article, quote, yes, the caramelizing step seems like it takes forever. But the hour is worth the wait and doesn't require much attention. 
prep the remaining ingredients and finish the latest episode of The Bear Season 2. Unquote. Serendipity, man. Sometimes they're just there. I'm not shitting you. That is a direct quote from the article. Uh, The article's from The Kitchen, and uh, they're not the only ones. If If you Google one pan french onion soup noodles you will find a very long and overblown complicated method for making ramen that uh you could probably make in 15 minutes on the stovetop with just general know-how and caramelizing Uh doesn't take an hour if you know what you're doing no Uh, i mean there there are some little tricks to it but it shouldn't take an hour to caramelize onions no you know the best onion soup recipe that i've seen that is a modern take on onion soup was an Alton Brown recipe, believe it or not. And he used a deep electric skillet so that he could just regulate the temperature, throw the onions in and walk away. How about that? But uh, the recipe spans from, you know, there's, there's versions of it that are using all fresh ingredients to using pantry staples. And um, the, the base recipe was a French onion soup packet mix you know the one you make the dip from and spaghetti Mm -hmm. i think you could do a little more with i made french onion soup and you know soup mix is kind of not really where it's at no it's good if you need a salt base sure but we're not talking anything earth shed anyway just further proves the tiktok universe are a bunch of fucks whatever i don't get it uh, going from one spaghetti to the next, um, this one, Kyle and I were talking about it off the air. Um, there is a Lovecraftian horror film that has completely passed us by. And, yep, really? And it is allegedly spectacular to the tune that it has an eight point something on IMDb. For 8.2. A, for a horror film first, for a Lovecraftian horror film second. And that film's name is Older Gods. It's a qua- huh. it's a quasi-indie British film that only had a cinematic release in the United Kingdom. So that's why we didn't hear about it. Jim, shame on you for not telling us about this. Um, but it is apparently amazing. The only place we can see it in this country is literally by renting it on Amazon for the cheapest free price as 99 cents. And if you are someone that prefers to sail the seven seas, good luck because it's so obscure that it's not even there. That's crazy. I've never even heard of this. And I thought I, I mean, I'm a huge cosmic horror and Lovecraft fan. Like I'm always looking for, the newest things like set in that type of setting. And I've never heard of this. Do you have any details? Yeah. I'll give you the premise. Uh, After his childhood friend is assumed dead by suicide, the lead character heads out to his remote homestead in Wales, where they all talk really funny as opposed to just talking slightly funny. He uncovers a host of lost video files and documents that the friend left behind. Uh, Much, much of the content, circles around this symbol that keeps showing up and uh, he digs deeper he finds weird things starting to happen nightmares cosmic things and then 
a cultist stalking him. It, it then spirals into what's happening beyond that state. Uh, it's truly a journey into what is, I guess you can say, the breakdown of the main character's sanity. And it's supposed mm. to be spectacular. So it sounds really interesting, right? Yeah. This ain't no Nick Cage color out of space. Oh, that nightmare. <laughs> oh no. Uh, it sounds like something that I would really love to see. You said it's on uh, Amazon, Amazon 99 Amazon. cents. That's the only place oh, I can be find that. it. No, can't beat that. It's apparently released sometime this year and not a clue back in March. Yeah. Back in March it released. See, Kyle is also a horror aficionado, so mm-hmm. we, we're 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 preaching to the choir here. Uh, where yeah. does Lovecraft fall on your horror o meter, Kyle? Ooh, okay. Define horror o meter. I'm not familiar with your scale. <laughs> just just <laughs> just sort of the the spectrum of horror movies, from psychological horror to like Japanese ghosts to uh, body horror to traditional stock. Michael Myers killers to Lovecraft and cosmic horror to, you know, you know, for me, really, it's, it's about the quality of the movie. I like, you know, all of those, if they're done well, Amen. you know, it's, but, and, and some of them I like, if they're not done well, but, they're done with an awareness of that, that sort of B movie schlock kind of thing, the cheesy horror, like a Bubba Hotep sort of feel. Right, right. That can be, you know, that can be a lot of fun too. Um, I'm a big Lovecraft guy. I like the Cthulhu stuff. I, I think psychological horror is probably my number one. That's gonna, I mean, it's gonna be in the top three for sure. I don't know if it's number two, but it's definitely in the top three. Did you see the abortion that was Lovecraft Country? You know what? I was going to, and then a friend of mine watched it and started telling me a little bit about it. And so I never actually watched it. (laughs) I tried and tried and tried and just, I couldn't stay with it. I I couldn't, it, it, it had promise, but it went from very plainly and pointedly telling me political things to being 100% political. And I can hand wave some of what Hollywood is, but I can't wave it when it's start to finish an hour and 15 minutes of it every week. So I, I, I tapped out too. And so did the rest of the country. Hi HBO. Thanks for realizing that when you produced the last of us, (laughs) I mean, I, I I watched all of it, but I, it certainly isn't in my list of favorites or anything. No, I, I, I don't know how you made it through all of it. Um, it, it was, it was rough. It was rough. And I wanted to love it. I I tend to be really selective of the time I put into media now. And so I, I take other people's uh, opinions and, you know, and I listen to, you know, especially people that I'm kind of in line with, um, as far as points of view and perspectives on things. And if they start telling me stuff and it's mostly negative, I just don't even bother at this point. Yeah, it's, I mean, spare time. We were talking about that off the air too, right? We just don't have enough of it. So to waste or invest even eight hours, eight episodes of something, that's that's a significant investment anymore. And um, 
No, I, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, let's stick with movies. Only uh, let's laugh a little bit here. Uh, everybody enjoys a good comedy, right, boys? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, how about if we get you a list? Oh, no. A list of the <laughs> funniest movies ever made. And that's, quote, funniest movies ever made. Really? Uh, Bert, it's bad. It's bad. Let's put this into perspective. On the list, and I'm just going to pick and choose some things. Number 25 of the funniest movies ever made. Caddyshack. Easily in most people's top 10. Yes. Right. I mean, it was, you know, it was hilarious. I mean, it, it is a product of its time, but it was a hilarious movie. Uh, above Caddyshack, there's something about Mary. At 24. Mm. Yeah. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna zoom through them and stop at some that I'm like and, and legitimately all of the movies on this list are funny films. Right. I mean there something there's something about Mary was funny, but, but I the wouldn't funniest put it above movies Caddyshack. ever made. Right. Yeah, that's all right. Here, here's the next group. Uh twenty-three through nineteen. Uh Ghostbusters Friday. Shrek, Office Space, and The Hangover. Need I remind you okay. that all of those, and I, come on, Ghostbusters is in there, and you know my love of that franchise. Uh-huh. But all of those are ranked above Caddyshack. Yeah, I mean. Uh, number 17, I'm just skipping around now, Airplane, which is easily in my top three. Yeah, that's a great movie. Um, Surely you're not serious. Stop calling me Shirley. Uh, 13, The Big Lebowski. Number 12. Let me say that again. Number 12 is Mel Brooks' 1974 epic, Blazing Saddles. Number 12? Number 12. 12. So it's halfway down the list. Halfway. Well, what the heck could they think was oh. funnier than that? Like, what? what's in the top ten? Uh, number ten, Howard Hanks' His Girl Friday from 1940. Uh, most people have probably not seen it. I saw it in my film studies. It was a comedy for the time. Fine. If right. you're going to tip your hat to history, I'll accept that because it's in the number ten position. Right. I mean, I've I've also seen it. I'm a I'm a, an old film buff, and I've also seen that movie. And it, at the time, it was there were very few great comedies during that time period. So it was one of the funniest movies made to date when that happened. Right. Number nine, and I agree with this position. Doctor Strangelove, Kubrick's okay. only okay. comedy. It's it's a dark comedy. It's not for everybody. Right, but okay. not sure I'd put that in the top ten. I'd, but I, it would definitely be in the top half. It'd be in the top twelve. All right, that's fair. But would you put it behind number eight, Super Bad? No, <laughs> no. Or number seven, Anchorman: The Legend of Ron Burgundy. Uh, no. Again, no. Again, no. Two get high and laugh movies but not the best comedy films ever made. Right. And not leading no. into number six, Young Frankenstein. 
Num- oh my god. Number six. Number five is mm-hmm. Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And I I might Number I'm, five? No. That's I'm, my number one. <clears throat> I was gonna say I might be taking a beating here because I don't think it you know, I love Monty Python, but I don't think Grail goes in the top ten. Grail is an unfinished film. <laughs> oh, I, I loved Grail. I would definitely have Grail in my top five. Uh, yeah. All right, that's fine. You guys, can I would. Kick I my would ass too. Later. No. No, it's your number one, Kyle. For real. I I believe it probably would be. I mean, unless I'm. Yeah, I'll be honest. I don't watch a lot of comedies just because that's not my disposition. But the ones I do watch are things like the Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Uh, I, you know, Caddyshack is hilarious. Animal House. You know, a lot of the older, the sure. Mel Brooks, Blazing Saddles, of course. Young Frankenstein's one of my favorites. My problem um, with Grail is it fell off a cliff. It it goes hard and it goes strong and then it just dies. And it feels like they either ran out of money or ran out of time or both as the flow of the film. You know? Well, you're entitled to your opinion uh, even when it's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number four, The Princess Bride. Uh, I mean that was that was. I don't know that I, but see, I don't know that I qualify that as. Is a straight comedy. I mean, it is a comedy. As a straight comedy, it is a comedy, but it's not a straight comedy, right? Right. It's more like an adventure comedy. Like I would still put it above the one that's above it, number three, Dazed and Confused. Oh, I was never a huge fan of that movie. I mean, my wife would probably agree with that. Dazed and Dazed and Confused was my generation's Fast Times at Richmond High. Right, yes. And the predecessor was certainly a superior film. Uh, number two, uh, Billy Wilder's Some Like It Hot. Okay, again, we're going back. Mm-hmm. Fair. Uh, you know, who doesn't like a funny gangster movie? But is it number two? No, it's not number uh, two. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree it should be on the list, but definitely not in my top five. And number one certainly a funny movie possibly even a top 10 movie but not the funniest movie ever made directed by the late great harold ramus starring the incredibly impeccably funny bill murray groundhog day number one okay number no i mean It was funny, but it's not number one funny. Now, here's what's interesting about this list, guys. I pulled this list earlier in the week. When we came to go to air, I pulled the link. And the list magically was changed. So we weren't the only ones that said this list is fucking bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) When it was changed, so what did they change? Number one in the new list is Blazing Saddles. Ah, there you go. Now that I, I can I mean, get behind, I, Mel Brooks. I is, can I can agree with that. I mean, yeah. it may not be my number one, but I could see for general audience. Yeah, that's probably number, number seven one. in the new list. Out of nowhere, because it sure as fuck wasn't in the first one was planes trains and automobiles ones that one that i was waiting for because that is a spectacular and amazingly funny film it's the martin john candy it's a it's a classic you know a lot of good laughs in that movie i just want my fucking keys to a fucking car that isn't fucking there (laughs) (laughs) airplane bumps up to number 12 
Julie Haggerty uh, was a, was a dish back in the day. By the way, if if I need to remind <laughs> you of that, <laughs> holy fuck! I mean, mosquito bites, but you can still push them together and make one nice one. Uh, yeah, they they definitely revised this 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 little list, and uh, they revised it for the better. But they will not live down the original list. You fucks! All right. Last but not least, in the news, um, another board game offering. Not a whole hell of a lot happened in the tabletop world this week. Uh, Funko is going to be producing something that caught my eye. I sent some pictures to you gentlemen earlier of it. And it is a board game version of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. In this all-out game, you, the player, have two options, survive or die trying. So the Sawyer family (laughs) is played by one player, and everybody else are just unfortunate travelers that got caught on the wrong section of highway. So it's one versus many. It's produced by Funko, and, and they've been very hit or miss. They've been buying up some licensing and throwing very tropey games on top of them. And sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. Uh, the good news is it's not a huge investment, right? Those Funko games t- typically pop in at about 30 bucks. Two to five players uh, running 40 to 60 minutes on box time, which reads your first play is going to be an hour and a half after rules. Coming soon. All we know is it's one versus many, and we've seen the components. And uh, again, in their price point, the components aren't terrible. There's an inlaid uh, tracker of some sort that's a chainsaw that, that has the, the dual layer so that you can mute, move the cube around. It's got unique dice, which is nice. It does have cardboard fucking standees. Um, <laughs> but for uh, Leatherface and the other members of the Sawyer clan, uh, they do have the molded miniatures. We're seeing that as a trend to keep price down. A couple key molded miniatures and then the rest are standees. Um, looking at it, I'll probably pick it up because it ain't going to be a big investment. Uh, you guys saw the pictures. What do you think? Well, I mean, the IP was never one of my favorite horror movies. I'm not a huge Texas Chainsaw Massacre fan. Probably wouldn't even make my top ten of horror films. But... As a game, I can certainly see the appeal. I've played a few one versus many. It reminds me of like when we played, uh, what was the one we played with Dan? Dead by Daylight. Uh, not too long ago. Dead by Daylight. Yeah. Well, it gives me a little bit of a Dead by Daylight vibe, which that I thought that was a great game. I'm thinking this is the poor man's Dead by Daylight by the look of it. So we'll see. I don't know. Kyle, were you a big Chainsaw Massacre fan? Um, you know what? I'm personally, um, I would not put that in my top 10. Um, however, from uh, the perspective of the influence that it had on the genre, I think it has to go in the top Thank 10. Thank you. I love when we share a brain. The film wasn't great by any stretch of the imagination, but it opened up that whole category of films to follow. That followed up by Halloween. Those two, that was the one-two punch right. in the 70s. Yeah, it was. And it and it influenced horror movies. It's still influencing movies to this day, but it definitely influenced stuff strongly 
for at least the next 10 to 15 years. Here's the thing with, with Chainsaw Massacre, when we talk about the films and I look at them, it has the bones to be a really good movie, but it's never executed well. You got the creepy inbred family, you got Leatherface, you've got the chainsaw, but it never comes together well. It's like House of a Thousand Corpses. There is the shadow of a good movie there. Unfortunately, right. there's also Rob Zombie. So, <laughs> so that, my friend, is the news. Hey, but you know what? He casts his wife in everything, and she's fucking hot. So. Yeah. <laughs> Sherry. Sherry Moon. Sherry Moon. Sherry Moon. Yeah. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, we have a guest tonight, Kyle. We have a guest tonight, Bert. Uh, Bert, you'll remember, we, we talked to our, our guest uh, just about a year ago. It was uh, Richard Davis. He produced Cobalt Quest. And he's got another crowdfunder that is active, but uh, he's with us. Say, hey, Richard, thanks for coming back to Nerd Cognito. How's it going? Pleasure to be back. It's going. It's It's been a really crazy whirlwind week, both, you know, in front of the curtain and behind the scenes, things have just been coming at us left and right. So excuse me while I pause to take my breath. <laughs> um, I saw, and you reached out and said, Hey, take a look. I, I've got this, this new crowdfunding rocking and rolling right now. Mm -hmm. We were uh, the one thing that I loved about Cobalt Quest when you first came on was just the look and feel of it. And you've got another project for us. So tell us a little bit about it. I do. So this one, as you may be able to tell from the uh, the image, uh, is actually done by the same artist, which is great because he did such great work last oh, time. It was spectacular. It was spectacular. Mm -hmm. uh, by the way, guys, it, it's it's a cookbook, but it's not the kind of cookbook that we made fun of a couple weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> Dare I to ask? No. Uh, well, uh, short version. Um, every company is doing a cash grab by doing like the Skyrim cookbook. The really? yeah, yeah, or you know, the insert intellectual property here cookbook, and yeah, they're all terrible. But yours mm -hmm. is not one that has recipes for our kitchen. Yours has recipes for our game. So I'll let you I'll let you go go back to where you were before I so rudely <laughs> interrupted. Okay. Uh, actually, it turns out uh, you are only half right. It does have uh, new poisons and traps and uh, magic items. However, it is called cookbook, so I did actually throw real recipes in there. Ah, <laughs> I'll, I'll forgive you for it. I'll forgive you. <laughs> no, no um, I don't think kobold is exactly an IP that I could uh, milk. What? What is it, like a 4th century German tale or something is their origin, so... <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I own the intellectual property of the uh, Grimm Brothers. So, so yeah, it, it is a, a big collection of stuff for your game, you know. Um, you, you were telling us you, you retained the same artist. What mm -hmm. can we look forward to in adding this to our shelf? I mean, if you're not into the recipes, totally fine. There's so much more in the book. <laughs> <laughs> As I was saying, we've got new poisons, traps, and magic items. Now, I've seen in a lot of books where a lot of people will be like, ah, we have 400 new magic items, and if you take a look, it's like, this is a plus one sword that does one cold damage, and then they have another one that's like, this is a plus yeah. one sword that right. does one fire damage. Oh, thanks, that is not original, actually. <laughs> I could have just done that in my sleep. So um, what we're trying to do with this one is we want really unique things. So for the new poisons, for example, one of them, uh, if you uh, fail to save on it, like with all the poisons, the 
person becomes unaware of their own hit points, so the DM will then keep track of that for them. So they say, you got hit. They don't even have to tell them that. But um, <laughs> so, uh, then they have no idea how close they are to death. So it's actually just a severe numbing agent. So that one's actually, it'll change the way you interact with the game, which is what I'm trying to do with all of these poisons and magic items. Oh, that's lovely. I, 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 I'm going to do horribly evil things with that mechanic. <laughs> exactly. That's what you always got to go for. So what brought about, you know, I'm always into where we as designers sort mm -hmm. of decide to pull the trigger and, and create what brought about the, the, the Kobold cookbook. Well, actually um, it has the four different part, pieces of it. The uh, poisons came from the fact that I have seen some fifth edition stuff. I, sometimes dm it but usually it's a different system but at the same time like all of the poisons feel very samey either it's the same thing like what i was talking about with the magic items they like, are does, aren't they they are it's pretty ridiculous this like this one does 1d4 poison damage this one 1d6 i'm like neat anyway how about something more fun so the poison kind of came out of that the like how kobold quest was available in a whole bunch of different systems we're doing the same thing with this one except it'll all be in the same book so i don't have to send it to the printers and get five different uh, <laughs> right. what are they called proof <laughs> copies that was fun but uh, anyway so that's the uh poisons the traps themselves um i believe i mentioned last episode i just love traps just as a real person they're just endlessly fascinating to me so i just like making those <laughs> it's kind of why i threw them in there it just fits so well with the theme of the kobold cookbook and the magic items, I also find that I've been DMing for, you know, 10, 15, uh, maybe, maybe 20 years. Anyway, a long time. Been DMing for quite some time, and I've used basically all of the magic items in the books several times over. So every once in a while when they find something, I'm just like, ah, uh, sure, it does this now. So... I just have been making magic items off the cuff for a long time, and I thought, hey, that would be a lot of fun to have in these things, because magic items are something that all the players want, So they, and we're trying to do the same thing with the magic items as we are with the poisons, where, again, it's something unique for you to play with. Spectacular. Bert, what do you think of all of this? Well, just looking over the materials, I like the way that like you said, uh, you know, poisons and magical items, sometimes they can feel really generic. Mm -hmm. And with the examples that we've got here, they actually do things to take to change like game mechanics. Like I saw there's a poison in there that gives a creature light sensitivity, which really changes up sort of the mechanics or, you know, a porcupine quill is a lot more interesting than a spiked shield as far as things like that are concerned. So I like the way it you know, sort of changes the flavor and mechanics and it lets you make things your own. Right. No, I, I think it's spectacular because, you know, as eternal DMs, pretty much all of us <laughs> yeah. at, at some point or another, you know, we are always looking to beg, borrow and steal from different elements. And this book is just begging to be, you know, on the shelf and pulled out whenever you're looking for something that is a step away from what we've all seen 10,000 times. And, you know, uh, it's doing very well. You've already made your primary goal on Kickstarter. Hooray. Um, yeah. We got stretch goals coming up. We'll talk about those later. Kyle, what jumps out at you? Uh, first thing that jumps out at me is it's, well, first of all, the artwork's really good. I love I've never the seen any, oh my goodness. I've never seen any of the Cobalt World stuff before. This is uh 
this is nice. Um, I, it's very utilitarian is the word that I want to use because the, the format and the layout, they're simple, but not simple in a derogatory way. It's simple as in this is something you can use and it's efficient, elegant in a way. Uh, I, mm -hmm. the, the block layout kind of the, it's almost like a stat block kind of thing with the explanations and stuff. I'm particularly taken with the usurpers key, but that's <laughs> <it>. <laughs> now at least, you know, Richard, you're not killing yourself this time. You alluded to it, but last time, uh, Richard released a different version of the book based on what core system you were doing, because it, it was, it was skin for fifth and, Am I correct in saying castles and crusades? Uh, it was basic fantasy. Basic fantasy. Basic fantasy. So this is this is going to be the same, but it's all in in one nice neat package. So um, right, I did. I gave him a lot of shit last time. I was like, "Why are you doing this? You're <laughs> you're running yourself ragged." <laughs> but um, oh, it's fine. No, <laughs> it is just. It, you know, it will fit in anything, and especially with the the basic fantasy. You know, I love basic fantasy. I think it is so utility and easy to pick up. I actually, just because of both the the throwback to the OSR and cost reasons, I always, you know, not to toot my own horn, but I usually donate a handful of basic fantasy books to several local libraries just so there's another option on the shelf because for 20 bucks, why wouldn't you? Uh, the fact that we can slot this in to basic fantasy and therefore every other OSR game just makes it super, I love it. Um, yeah, as somebody who plays multiple systems myself, it's great that this is a resource that I can use whether I'm playing with, you know, 5e or, you know, in an OSR game. Like, it's something that I could use regardless. I don't have to order multiple copies in order to have one that fits the system I'm using. Mm -hmm. I agree. I absolutely agree. Let's talk stretch goals, because that's the point that our listeners are going to jump in uh, mm -hmm. to the, the crowdfunder. What, what's on tap? Well, the uh, stretch goals, they start out pretty, you know, basic, like more items, more poisons, more traps. The book started out with 50 in total. We have the social media stretch goals, the monetary ones as well, to kind of increase that number. But um, at certain various points, you end up having some really interesting stuff get thrown in there as far as the stretch goals. Like item sets is one of the things we have, which I'm sure if you played like Diablo 2 or something like that, where if you're wearing multiple pieces from the same item set, that'll give you stacking bonuses or change things about it. Right, no, the, the synergy between items. And that's actually one of the things that has really birthed from the video game realm that we don't see a lot of carryover into tabletop. So, uh, right. come on, guys, let's hit eight grand. Let's get these item sets. <laughs> actually, that one's only seven. Seven, is the seven. Yeah. okay, even better. Um, yes. Plus, you have a, a really neat thing that we don't often see, which are the social media stretch goals. So if someone is in on this campaign for the low, low price of a retweet, they can contribute to unlocking even more stuff. And I think that that's just brilliant for engagement. Is, are you getting a good response? Because I'm going to be honest, I have not been following the social media response <laughs> to it. And, you know, I, I own it. I own it. Um, how is that working? Because I think it's a brilliant idea. That's working pretty well. The problem is I am like the most introverted person you could imagine. So I, 
do not have much of a social media presence, but there are a couple of people who have actually been, you know, throwing it forward to other people. So I know that that has done pretty well. We're um, somewhere around the hundred mark on the retweets and uh, uh, engagements with that post. So that one's doing quite well. The YouTube animation is also, it's almost reached the first one, which will unlock a new poison. Oh, cool. Cool. Well, I'm going to throw it to the ladies that run the nerd cognito Twitter account and we'll see if not only can we get you a couple more pledges in the books, but we can unlock some of these social media stretch goals for you. I think I think that it's a really innovative idea that is, like I said, it's an incredible utility. It's, it is a support book that DMs should want to have on their shelf. And just, you know, we know that I'm in love with the artwork. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, we know that it's a proven legitimate and well thought out product just based on cobalt quest there's no reason not to check it out go to kickstarter search for the cobalt cookbook you will find it right away explorers guild publishing base pledge i want to say is less than 10 bucks if my memory is doing well i think it was eight or nine bucks and the soft cover was 25 bucks i mean you cannot beat that to get it on your shelf so good good stuff well gents uh anything else that that caught your eye well i mean it's kind of cliche but we do like to eat so i have to ask poisons traps magical items are great how's the food uh so a lot of those uh they're all wonderful they're they're all things that i have actually made in the past um my favorite one actually i'm theming them all to fantasy kobolds that kind of thing there is a dessert in there called cinnamon snares where they're like you know those tree snares that you know you grab animals with the very generic one you think of and they are so good oh you had me at pastry and sugar. <laughs> <laughs> that is correct. Oh yeah, the uh, all the recipes are sorted into various uh, different types of themes. You have dungeons and desserts, uh, snack finder, and meals without number. <laughs> Look at this, Kyle. <laughs> A themed cookbook that I can support. <laughs> I love it. I love meals it. Meals without love number. Meals, meals without, without number. number. Technically, there's a very limited number, but who's counting? <laughs> <laughs> well, Richard, thank you for swinging by. Again, we encourage everybody to go to Kickstarter. Check it out. It is for less than 10 bucks. If you want the digital, it is going to provide you with stuff other than the vanilla poison, the vanilla trap, the vanilla stuff to put into your game. So without a doubt, check it out. It's well worth the pledge. Richard's always been a friend and supporter of the show, so go and show him some support as well. Richard, any last words before we cut you loose and let you go devise some new recipes to put in? Thanks for having me on. It's been great. And uh, hoping to be able to provide everyone with the maximum amount of everything they're wanting. Ah, I love it. I love it. Thanks for swinging by. Uh, be sure to reach out and talk to us the next time the Kobolds get antsy, because uh, we love talking to you and love seeing the stuff that you have. Uh, thanks for Absolutely. swinging by, Nerd Cognito. You're welcome. We'll see you later. I guess, wow, we're, we're, we're getting really full on the clock right now. we got to take a, a pause here and thank our Checkmark Heroes. I mean, where would we be on Twitter without them? We would be without a blue checkmark on Twitter without our checkmark heroes. And this week, our checkmark hero 
recurring checkmark hero is Doc Jones. Uh, you absolutely need to follow him if you're not following him on Twitter. Uh, Doc Jones has great insight, and he's a supporter of the show and really in line with all of the things that we know and love. So give him a follow. D-J-O-N-E-Z-73 on Twitter. He ponied up eight bucks to be... Checkmark Hero. And you too can be Checkmark Hero. Hey, we're closing out the year now. We're looking uh, at, at fourth quarter Checkmark Heroes. So if uh, you're throwing us eight bucks, it might be a while before you hear me sing to you, but I will sing to you nonetheless. Uh, definitely check it out. Also, um, if you're not following the ladies at NerdCognito on the Twitter machine, be sure to throw them a follow. That way you'll see stuff that we're going to talk about on the show and get insight from our neck of the hobby and the Nerdosphere in general. Oh, boys. Uh, it's It's been a busy week, no? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I got nothing else. Uh if you guys are, are content, I, I want to end on a high note with the Cobalt Cookbook. Remind everybody to go check it out on Kickstarter. Um, it's 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 interesting. I you know there's so much that I want to say right now, but I just can't. You just have to stay tuned. Um, but there's probably some big news coming up uh, for you on a future Nerd Cognito. I guess. We should tell people to do the things so that more people can hear the show. Make sure you go to the podcast provider of your choice. We are on all of them, whether it's Apple or Spotify or Google or Stitcher. Well, Stitcher's going the way of the dodo. Did you guys know that? Stitcher is no, soon to be that. no more. That that makes me sad because they, they had some promise. But it doesn't matter because we're on all of them. Just make sure that you are subscribed on one of them. Or if you really want to, you know, tickle my taint, you can subscribe on all of them. Uh, but it's it's most important for you that you can get the show delivered to you every single week as we release. So make sure you smash that subscribe button on whatever platform you prefer. That's that's all I've got. Uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in this week. It was a big and busy week, uh, but lots of good stuff. And, you know, we, we, we had to really just pare it down to the bare necessities. So. Oh, Ryan. <laughs> if you start singing that song, I'm going to reach through the screen and slap you. No, I don't want a copyright violation. <laughs> <laughs> my name is ryan david thanks for checking in with us uh we know that uh no i'm not gonna do it again <laughs> i was joined by kyle and bert and uh we will talk at you next week be safe out there everybody just grin and bear it oh, oh.